Have you uh, seen the news lately and seen this guy's picture? Um, he was uh, one of, I think, three that was a winner of the, that big Powerball thing that they do. And you've got him up here with a check for $149.4 million. That used to be a lot of money. Um, but uh, I understand he's going to actually take the $60 million cash up front, which means, okay, we pay all the taxes and you get your money up front as opposed to paying it out the way the lottery, uh, the total amount that you would get if you waited however many years it is. Um, and that, that got me thinking about, you know, that, that whole idea of, of sudden wealth and somebody that becomes wealthy overnight. And, you know, it's fun to play the game. Uh, what would you do if you won? I'm sure all of us have sat around at some time and talked with somebody about, well, hey, you know, if I won the lottery, I would, uh, you know, I would buy this house and that house and, and this car and, man, I, you know, this boat and it's all. Uh, start accumulating all these resources. And then you, you may at some point in that, the, the conversation may turn to... Uh, well, I would do something benevolent. You know, I would do. I would be. I would buy a new church building for our congregation, or I would quit my job and go into church work full time, or you know whatever it might be. So usually, people follow that kind of migration as you you first start thinking about all the stuff you could have, and then at some point you realize, well, you know I. I guess I could probably give a lot too, so you start thinking, you know, with a good heart and say, well, what can I provide other people? Um, and, and, you know, it's, I, I know that I'll never win because I never buy a ticket. So that's pretty much going to preclude you from winning, but it's still fun to think about, right? And I, my guess is most of us, or probably all of us, have done that at some time or another, is to think about what that kind of wealth uh, would do for you. Well, do you know that there's an incident in the Bible that actually addresses um, sudden wealth? And it's, it's the story of Moses. And this is found in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And the book of Deuteronomy is really a second reading of the law. And if you think about the situation of Moses, here Moses was. He had led the children of Israel out of captivity through God's providence and through the ten plagues that he placed upon the Egyptians, finally the, the, the children of Israel were released from Egyptian captivity. He led them into the wilderness and he stayed with them and he kept them together for 40 years. For 40 years. And now here he, here he is. He is across the Jordan River and they're looking out and they're seeing the promised land. A land that God said to Abraham 400 some years before that would flow um, with milk and honey. It was a rich land. It was a prosperous land. It was an inheritance to God's chosen people. And here Moses is, his last chance. These are the last words he's going to be able to utter to these people. They're going to go in and inherit the land. But you remember the story of Moses, that uh, Moses asked for water, and God told him, well, go speak to the rock, and you'll, forth will come water. And he went to the rock, and he struck the rock. And he got his water, 
But the price for disobeying God was he wasn't going to get to go in. So this is his last chance. And now Joshua and Caleb are going to lead the people into this promised land. So what would you tell them? I mean, think about this. You've led these people for 40 years. And here you are to the point that they're about to receive the prize. And it's your last chance. Man, they're about to go and then you're, you're going to have no more say. So what would you tell them? Well, part of what he says is found in Deuteronomy in chapter 6. And we're going to look at what he says in verses uh, 10 and 11. And I'm just paraphrasing here. He says, when it, shall, it shall be when God brings you to the promised land. You are given great cities you didn't have to build. You didn't have to build these cities. They were there. You're given houses that are full of good things. You didn't fill them. Somebody else filled them. You're going to be given wells, supplies of water. You didn't have to dig those wells. You're going to be given vineyards and olive trees. You didn't have to plant them. You didn't have to wait for them to grow up to maturity to where they would produce the, the fruits and vegetables that, you, that you're looking to harvest. When you have eaten and are full, life is good, right? All these things are provided. So what do you think he said? What would he say here? Would he say, uh, you know, when you get all these things, you're going to be so grateful and out of this grateful heart, I know you'll serve God and you'll remember Him and you will, you will be devoted to Him all the days of, of your lives. And, and you'll pass that on to your children and they'll be dedicated to God. That wasn't Moses' concern. He said this, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. After you're provided all of these good things, after you get all these blessings, you didn't have to do it. And now they're provided for you. Caution. Because there's a tendency amongst man to be caught up in pride and to, to feel like they're the ones that are responsible for their own situation. It's a matter of pride. And we're all, we're all subject to that. And I would submit to you that this is a warning not just for lottery winners, because I'm guessing I'm probably not talking to any this morning. This is for anybody that's in a situation to where you've got it pretty good, where things are going pretty well in life. Doesn't necessarily mean you live in a great house or drive a great car. Doesn't mean that you have no problems. But just means that in general life is pretty good and you feel pretty good about things. Be careful. Because if you're not careful, you may think that you did all of that and you forget God. You forget your Creator. You know, you think about uh, a young child, uh, a young child as they grow up, that as they begin to, to reach a certain level of maturity, you start to see them begin to try to get away and, and express some independence from their parents, don't you? And, and, and they, will, they will try to get that independence until what? Until some crisis arises and then they come running back. 
And I wonder sometimes if God doesn't look at us the same way. As He sees us trying to gain that independence, try to get away from from Him and try to stand on our own and be self-sufficient and only come back to Him when when crisis occurs. You know, people uh, during depressions or, or severe recessions like the last recession we had, there's probably a, a, a turn back to God. Now, I would never pray for a recession. I would never pray for people to go through hard times. But it can be humbling. And that humbling can cause us to... Uh, to re-establish a relationship with our Creator because we recognize again that we've kind of forgotten Him. And you know that word forgotten is kind of interesting too. He says forget. Um, That's an interesting term. I don't believe that Moses was concerned that no one would be able to tell the story of God. I I think that, you know, the children of Israel... While they were traveling the wilderness, there was this white tent, the tabernacle that sat in the middle of them. And you had all these black tents around it, and right in the middle was this was this building that was designed. It was the wealthiest thing around, designed for God. And then when they finally got to Jerusalem and established that as their home, they built the temple. That was a huge, magnificent building that I'm sure that if you lived in Jerusalem or even around Jerusalem, you would have looked out and you would have seen that temple daily. And it would have been a reminder to you that there was a God. But the kind of forgetting I think he's talking about here is just in your daily walk. Are you mindful that you have a Creator that is providing these things for you and that you should be thankful for that? Or do you take the position of pride where you you perceive that you've done all that yourself? So Moses was concerned that they would not they would lose track of the fact that these were gifts from God and they would see themselves as self-sufficient. And I believe that's very much a problem today. There's a passage in 2 Peter in chapter 1 that's similar. Peter talks about, he says, for he who lacks these things, well, what things are we talking about? The Christian graces like virtue and knowledge and temperance and brotherly kindness and love and so forth and so on. If you don't add those things to your life, He's saying that someone that does that is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Now again, I think the meaning of that does not mean that you could not... You lost. You just didn't know. You, you completely forgotten the, the gospel plan of salvation. And as a Christian, you didn't know that Jesus had died for you. I think that probably intellectually you would still remember that. But intellectually remembering that is quite different from being mindful of that on a daily basis and that becoming a, a filter through which you see the world and through which you make decisions about life. We're forgetful of God when on a daily basis we walk through life and we don't see situations in life through God's Word. We don't filter those decisions that we make through the Word that God has established. We don't allow the Word 
to direct our lives and help us with those decisions. I think that's the kind of forgetfulness that he's talking about. He says, you've forgotten that you've been cleansed from your old sins. That's no longer a driving factor in your life. And I would say to you that probably most sins, most sins that people commit, if you think about it, it's a little bit of temporary amnesia, isn't it? When you get angry, you get frustrated, and you forget you're not focusing on God's goodness and His His mercy and all and His His salvation that He's offered, and you're just mad in the moment and you sin. Because in the moment you forget God. And I believe that's what, what Peter's talking about here, and I believe that's what Moses was talking about. A moment to moment forgetfulness. So what was Moses' advice? What did he suggest to the people? What do they need to do? Well, in the remember we read in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses uh, 10 through 12. Now we're going to go back up to the verses preceding that, beginning in verses 6 and running through verse 8. He says these words, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your houses, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. If you look at some of the key words in all of this I've got up here now is... It's to be something that was to to be in our hearts. And as as it's in our hearts, we're going to teach it to our children. And as we teach it to our children, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it when we sit, when we walk, when we lie down, when we rise up. You get the idea here that it's not something that you do on a Sunday morning and you come meet with fellow Christians on Sunday morning and then we have a lesson and we all leave the building and we go about our merry way and we think about the Lord again at 10 o'clock on next Sunday morning. That's not, that's not the picture you get here, is it? The picture you get here is that the whole time, the, the word that I think of that describes this the best is immersion. That you are, you are immersed in God's words and His teaching and you think about it and you talk about it and you meditate on it. You, you discuss it with other Christians. You talk about it with your children and so forth and you do it every chance you get. This thing of the frontlets, the, there in the New Testament there's the term phylacteries which was like a box that they would wear on their foreheads or their arms. And that would contain a portion of the law that they could take out and they could read it. They didn't have iPhones. But we do today. We've got, we've got devices that allow us to access the Scriptures almost anywhere. So we have those things available. Well, do we use them for that purpose? Or is that just uh, an app that uh, we never do open up, never do use, and so we don't ever look at God's Word? You know, immersion, if you think about it, is the way that uh, there are some people, there's different ways to learn a language, and I've talked to Danny and Danielle about learning Spanish because I'd like to do that sometime. Um, there's, there's several ways to go about it, but one way to go about it, I'm not sure I can pull this off, but 
One way to go about it is go spend a year in a country that they speak that language. You're immersed in that culture and in that language and you're, you're, you have to learn it. Well, that's the kind of immersion that we're talking about in God's Word. That if we, if we surround ourselves with it and we're immersed in it, then that's got to affect the way that we think, the way that we talk, the way that we act. And that's what God wants for us. In the, in the book of James, he says this. He says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what manner he was. In other words, he said, if you just, if you just read it, or hear it, if you just hear it and you don't ever put it into practice, you forget it. You know, you think about uh, Dallas Cowboys football season coming up here soon. What if the coaches had a new plan? Hey guys, we don't want to have any injuries, so here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to have no practice. Instead, we're going to meet in a meeting room every day and we're going to, I'm going to talk you through the drills that you would have done. And I'm going to describe exactly what we would do and exactly all the techniques and, and we're, going to, we're just going to talk our way through that and then we're going to go out on Sunday and we're going to play. Not very successful, you agree? be a pretty long season. Well, that's kind of the way it is with most skills. It requires us to move from the classroom to the place of application. And so it is with Christianity that we have to move from this classroom where we talk about God's Word to the classroom of where we're actually putting that into practice. And we're those things, and we're we're trying to uh, we're trying to execute the things and, and align our lives with what we read in God's Word. And then finally, this is kind of what I thought it might ought to look like. That you know we're we you're a person that is you're surrounded. You've built a hedge about you, and that hedge is you spend your life in prayer. You spend your life in study. You meditate upon the things that you, you study because we recognize that you, you have other responsibilities and sometimes you just can't, you don't have time to study, but you can think about the things that you have studied. You can meditate upon those things and then you can apply them. You can try to execute them in your life. Do those things that you read about. And it's good to take them one by one, not try to do everything, but work on one specific skill and improve at that. And then talk about those things. Talk about it with your with the people that you, with your family. Talk about it with the people that you work with. Talk about it with fellow Christians. Um, talk about it on the internet. Talk about it in every phase that you have, um, and it will just strengthen you and help you to become stronger. You know, you think about the children of Israel. How did they do? Moses left them and they sent them in the wilderness. Or, excuse me, he sent them into the promised land and he stayed in the wilderness to die. How did they do? Well, we, we remember from reading the history of the children of Israel that it wasn't very long before they were already disobeying God. 
They weren't doing what he asked them to do. And Moses' fear that they were going to receive all this wealth and all this goodness and they weren't going to appreciate the giver. They were going to forget about it. They were going to be puffed up with pride and they were going to fall. I don't want that for any of us. I want us to live lives that are pleasing to God. I want us to live lives that, that, uh, that we grow spiritually by, by putting all of these things in our lives and applying these things to our lives that we can be true servants of the Lord. Uh, the lesson is yours this morning. If we can help you in any way, if you feel like you've slipped or if we can assist you in baptism, you feel like you've been sufficiently taught God's Word and we can help you in any way, uh, we would ask you to come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.